0: Welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast, the latest edition of the HCC podcast. As always, I am the host, the publisher of hoistthecolors.net, Stephen Igo, excited to bring you this edition as we continue our position previews. Again, preseason camp rolling right along, so uh, we are very busy on the website with a ton of practice reports, quotes from Mike Houston, quotes from players. Lots of player access early this camp, which has been very refreshing to kind of get some different perspectives. Along with talking to head coach Mike Houston, we've also already talked to offensive coordinator uh, Dan Kirkpatrick, defensive coordinator Blake Harrell, and special teams coordinator and outside linebackers coach Tim Dow. So we've had a lot of coverage, a ton uh, to, to discuss, a ton of conversation going on in the Hoist of Colors message board. We're interacting there we're out at the practice field we're taking pictures we're posting photo galleries we're doing practice reports so a ton going on and then of course we've got our position previews on the podcast trying to knock out uh, at least one a week uh, probably you know two every uh, every week going forward as we count down the days to september 2nd we are just 22 days away it's hard to believe from the season opener in Charlotte as Appalachian State and East Carolina will go at it inside Bank of America Stadium on that Thursday night. So today we are talking offensive line. We're going to round out the offense with the offensive front. And I'll be honest, in the past I have not been excited to talk about ECU's offensive line just due to the struggles of the the program in the trenches. But this year in particular, I am very excited to discuss the offensive line. Uh, I'm rolling solo today. So it'll be a a briefer discussion than in past uh, position previews. But we've got some questions on the Hoist Colors message board I'll be getting to. But the the main thing that sticks out about this offensive front is the returning experience. If you look at last year's offensive line with the, the group the Pirates ended the season with, the entire unit is back. Yeah, going into the year, you had Deontay Smith as your projected starting left tackle. He started... UCF game he played the majority of that game but then he was injured with a concussion and he never returned and at the time it was tough it was a very tough situation for the Pirates but looking back at it it was almost a blessing in disguise because you operated essentially the entire season without your best player who was a senior and you did miss him during the year but it also got you more prepared for the future so Deontay ends up getting uh, drafted in the fourth round after a tremendous senior bowl and, and good Uh, Showing in the pre-draft process. Always great to have another Pirate drafted. So we're extremely happy for Deontay here in Pirate Nation. But I think more than anything, it gave so many young guys experience. You had to move everybody around to compensate for the loss. You had to throw some guys into the fire that weren't necessarily ready. And the results were not pretty at times. In fact, early in the season, the results were downright ugly. If you look at Pro Football Focus's numbers, especially for that first game against UCF and then Man, the, the Georgia State game, it, it was rough. ECU got whipped pretty badly up front. And looking back at it, it's not a surprise. You had Nashad Strother, who was a first year starter, trying to play tackle for the first time in his career. Georgia State, to its credit, did a lot of different things up front. And they had a really good pass rusher, who's now at South Carolina, by the way, one of the leading sack uh, guys in the nation. So. It was just a bad matchup but then steadily throughout the year you saw guys improve you saw offensive line coach Steve Shankweiler work as magic so many young guys at tackle especially Nashad Strother and Bailey Malovic, who were playing for the first time in their career got better throughout the season Justin Chase even though he was a grad transfer from NC State he had never really played before and so he was getting the first significant action of his career he came on strong late in the season Trent Holler at guard, getting the first action of his career, Fernando Fry was playing center for the first time in his career. Yeah, he was an experienced guard, but he was playing center. And so that took some time to to make that adjustment. And then Avery Jones, a transfer from North Carolina, another guy who highly recruited a kid out of high school, but had never played before. So you really had almost an entire new offensive line. You know, Sean Bailey at guard, who rotated a lot with Holler, was really the one guy who had played a lot at his specific position. So... It was a, a, a learning experience, on-the-job training, so to speak, for ECU's offensive line. And by the end of the year, if you look at Pro Football Focus's grades, look, I'm not an offensive line expert, but I trust, and I don't think Pro Football Focus is always 100% right with their grading because, you know, it is uh, subjective at the end of the day and they don't know what every what goes in every single play. But more times than not, they grade if a guy gets beat, if a guy does his job, etc. So the grades are fairly accurate and for you look at ECU's offensive line, really they had two very bad games, the Georgia State game and the Cincinnati game late in the year, which we all know how good Cincinnati is. But outside of that, especially towards the latter half of the year, they graded out you know, average to above average. It was just those two poor performances that really brought their season grade down overall. So the unit got better, uh, specifically run-blocking. You know, a lot of the credit went to Rajay Harris and Keaton Mitchell, but the run blocking was uh, much improved throughout the year. Pass blocking, definitely a weakness at times. There's no doubt about that. Uh, looking back at last year, ECU was beaten too many times. Holton Nailers was under too much pressure. But, again, a lot of that did come in those two games, and it's not a surprise Holton Nailers threw three picks apiece in both those games. So it's, it's, a, it's all kind of tied at the hip. So this that, a brief look at last year. And again, that entire unit is back. Now, there are some changes, and there are some notable additions, and there are some uh, notable, I guess, improvements in terms of uh, the weight that has been added to several of these guys. Some of the guys have gotten slimmer and quicker. Some of them have gotten bigger and added more mass to hold up better. Uh, so you have a lot of experience. You know, we'll go across what what is now the first-team projected offensive line. I think you have to start – at center with Avery Jones. So we talked about Fernando Fry earlier. He had moved from guard to center last year and you didn't really have a a true center, you know, Fernando kind of taught himself center after being a two-year starter at guard and started the season slow and then got better throughout the year, but I think the Pirates went into the offseason wanting uh, a little bit more consistency there. And Fernando's definitely capable of still playing that position, but just so happened that he was out during the spring. Trent Holler was also sidelined for the first half of spring. So they ended up moving Avery Jones to center. And, you know, at the time it was like, hey, this is just what we're doing to to get by. We'll try it out and then Avery will probably go back to guard. He struggled snapping the ball early in the spring. But then all of a sudden, he ends up coming along the second half of spring and really excelling at the position, you know, at center. You want a guy who's athletic, who can get out in space, make things happen, fire off the ball quickly. Avery Jones is probably one of your more athletic offensive linemen, if not the quickest, especially on the interior. He's 6'4", 290 is what he's listed at. Probably, you know, could play guard, which we saw last year, but athletically probably a better fit size-wise, especially if he wants to play at the next level for center. And so he came on so strong at center towards the end of the spring that the Pirates coaching staff decided to, you know what, let's ride it with center. Let's ride it with Avery Jones at center, see where it goes from here. So they've entered the preseason with Avery Jones as a redshirt sophomore due to the year of eligibility. He got back from COVID as the starting center. So Avery will start the year at center. Again, if things don't work out, if he struggles snapping the football, he can always go back to guard. We saw in the past, I think it was under Jeep Wade, they tried to move Garrett McGinn to center from guard and it just didn't work as he struggled snapping the football and they ended up moving things around early in that year but they're going to roll with Avery Jones from everything I've seen during practice the snaps have been pretty good Uh, he's continuing to get better with that that's obviously important for the timing of the offense so uh, we'll see how that transpires with Avery moving to center Fernando Fry has moved back to guard you know he's worked both with the first and second team early this preseason uh, as they open camp The two starting guards were Sean Bailey, who, of course, is a six-year senior, a guy who's been around a long time, along with Fernando, been in college a long time. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Sean Bailey was your starting right guard, and then Nashad Strother was your starting left guard at the start of camp. Strother, of course, played primarily left tackle last year after the injury to Deontay Smith, and he can play tackle. He's got the feet to do it. You know, Size-wise, length-wise, he's more of a pure guard in terms of body type, so I think they want to, if possible, slide him inside the guard. So right now you've got your interior kind of looking like those four guys. Also, Trent Holler, definitely capable of playing guard or center. He's actually working as the second-team center right now. So it looks like they want to try Fernando more at guard for the time being and roll with Avery Jones and Trent Holler as your centers, with Avery being the starter at tackle. The first team tackles to start camp, you had Justin Chase as your left tackle, the NC State transfer. He actually played guard and tackle last year. Ended up playing tackle the last few games, and I thought it uh, looked better. You know, he struggled a little bit against Tulane, especially with those NFL defensive ends, Cam Samples and Patrick Johnson. But I thought got better once he got more used to playing tackle, as opposed to guard. So they're going to start him at tackle. And then on the other side, you got Bailey Malovic. And the two interesting things with these guys is Justin Chase has slimmed down some to add more quickness to his footwork, whereas Malovic has gone from weighing near 250 to weighing near 300 pounds. And I'll tell you what, Bailey Malovic looks like a completely different guy on the practice field this preseason. I mean, that is one of the first things you notice if you go to practice. And uh, the offensive line as a whole, it's like a small army. They have so many bodies over there, which in itself is incredible to think about based upon where they were upon Mike Houston's arrival in December of 2018, where they had ba- virtually no depth. But Bailey Mavik just looks like a different beast. Now, he's still relatively thin for an offensive lineman, but that's just in terms of you know his stature. He's much more thicker, especially in the top half. He's added considerable mass to his arms and to his frame. Last year, he just got bull rushed too many times. Mike Houston told us on the podcast earlier this offseason that at one point I think he weighed in at 245 and that's just not sustainable for a division one offensive tackle and so now he's back closer to 300 and honestly guys with his length and his athleticism if he can maintain that weight or even add more to it and show showcase a year of, of, of film that's strong he has a shot to play in the professional ranks if he can put a put some good film together so uh, this is a, a huge development for the Pirates. The question with Malovic was always, could, could we get his weight up to near 300 pounds to where it's sustainable that he can hold up against American Athletic Conference defensive ends? Because he just got beat too much last year based on power. He's got the athleticism and length, and now that he's got that mass, I think he's got a chance to really to really improve as a pass blocker, which we know is an issue last year. Other players to watch at tackle, uh, second-year guy in Walt Stribling, who is essentially a redshirt freshman. He played one game last year. Probably needs a little bit more development, but could play right now. Rob Vanderlaan, uh, the transfer from Oregon State. Pretty big athletic kid near 300 pounds. Uh, You know, again, a serviceable tackle. Could step in and play if needed. I think could do a, a pretty good job. And the big development was the return of Noah Henderson, who's been fully cleared to return to football activities. He started the end of the 2019 season I thought it was one of the team's better, bigger, physical, talented tackles. And then he missed all of last year due to a back injury. He was a projected starting right tackle, entering the year, never played. And so you lost Deontay Smith, you lost Noah Henderson. And Noah Henderson's injury really left his football future up in the air. And it turned out that uh, he did get cleared this preseason. So he's back now practicing. He's been worked in slowly. He's gotten a couple of first-team reps has also worked with the second team. He's got some rust he's definitely need, needing to, to to knock off. And so we'll see what his role is. But I think, I don't know if you can count on him at this point if you're the coaching staff, just because you want to be careful with his his comeback. But it certainly adds to the depth of tackle, which has been a concern in the past. So those are kind of your five guys you're looking at at offensive tackle. Again, a Strother could probably slide out and play tackle again if needed, but I think they want to leave him at guard right now so on the interior you have a lot of bodies really just a ton of young linemen we talked about avery jones at center trent holler at center fernando fry can play guard isaiah foots a young guy that can play guard hampton Ergles, a, a preferred walk-on that can play guard and they're pretty high on sean bailey we talked about richard pierce is a young freshman who uh probably physically could play right now if he could handle things mentally he's got a very strong body um, so you're pretty set on the interior. Isaiah Foote, a redshirt freshman that they really like long-term, could play some guard. Jaquez Powell, another young guy who's got a chance long-term. So the interior is pretty set, and we'll get more into each of those guys long-term. Uh, but it's just a ton of bodies right now on the offensive line. Uh, Kazai Everett's another young uh, third-year guy who has, has made a position change to uh, offensive guard who has gotten some second-team work as well. So um lots uh lots of long-term upside lots of short-term ability as well for the pirates you've got some walk-ons in the program who have who have really stuck it out and meant a lot uh colin jennings grayson lewis uh nick Bernhard, uh, just a number of guys that grant copeland's a second year walk-on john ross Edwards. so the offensive line room as a whole right now as deep as anybody in terms of sheer numbers and, and coach Shankwire has quite a lot to work with so We'll dive more into each of these guys. We've got a number of questions on the Hoisted Colors message board. First, we're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side, we'll dive into those questions and answer some of those topics as we return on the Hoisted Colors podcast. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Positional preview. We'll dive into our questions as we look towards wrapping up the show. Uh EC we got a couple of weightlifting questions right off the bat. And I'll be honest, it's a situation where they don't give us that information, so I'm honestly not sure one way or the other how to answer these, but we have a question about who can squat the most from ECU DC and also um does anybody bench press 400 pounds? Again, I don't know. I would think that you have a couple of candidates that squat a lot in some of the older guys like Sean Bailey. I know has been on record for a pretty powerful squat. And so guys who have been in the program, typically the upperclassmen or, or more of your your uh, top squat guys, I would assume Avery Jones is pretty strong given his frame as well. Um, you know, I know Richard Pierce for a freshman has been cited as one of the strongest guys pound for pound on the team. So, again, they don't make that information readily available. Otherwise, I would have more of an answer for you. I'm still working on trying to get some with Big John. He's tough to, to nail down for an interview. So, hopefully at some point we can do um, some more details there. Jim G. 71 he asked, What is your guess on who the 2-Deep will be in 2022? Just curious on what freshman and redshirt freshman could start in 2023 um so this is an interesting one let me think about this for a second so on paper you are scheduled to lose justin chase who theoretically is your starting left tackle right now and then sean bailey and fernando fry after this season so there you would lose three guys you also have a couple of you know guys with extra years of eligibility you know we'll see what bailey Malavic does this will be his fifth year of college and it's a situation where you know if he wants to come back next year obviously he will probably be welcome back especially if he has a good year so we'll see what happens with Malovic. I'll assume in this projection that he is back so based on kind of how it looks right now you're looking at center Avery Jones assuming he's back in he's only a redshirt sophomore eligibility wise I think he'll be your center Trent Holler potentially a backup Jaquez Powell is a young guy that's working at center now and then you're bringing in ethan Lang, uh likely to play center as well so there's kind of your candidates to play center again holler could also easily play guard because you're losing bailey and fry two projected guards you do have Nashad strother back likely a starting guard if he's not playing tackle uh isaiah foote is a young redshirt freshman right now the staff is very high on he's a guy who i think could slide into a starting role as soon as next year because uh, i ever the converted defensive tackle to guard he has ran with the second and third team at guard so he's a candidate depending on how he progresses he's still just a redshirt freshman eligibility wise hampton urgo is a uh, preferred walk-on who i think has a chance to earn a scholarship down the line big physical guard could uh, eventually play a role richard pierce we talked about it earlier a freshman really talented guy uh has a chance as well I think, as soon as next year, if not sooner, to play a role. So you do lose Sean Bailey and Fernando Fry at guard, but I think interior-wise, I mean, between Foot, uh, Neshad Strother, Hampton Urgle, Richard Pierce, uh, I think you're pretty set there. You're also bringing in some very talented guys on the interior. You know, Ethan Lang projected to play center but could end up playing guard. Uh, You have um, five offensive line commits already in terms of Amari Allen projected to play the interior offensive line as well. Uh, Tyler Leinberger, another guy who's projected to play interior at around six four three hundred pounds. So uh, we'll see what Jacob Sacra ends up playing if he plays tackle or guard, but another big physical lineman that is committed. As far as tackle goes, you brought in a transfer in Rob Vanderlaan, who's got three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, he is right now working behind. Uh, Bailey Malavic at right tackle, so both those guys could be back. You lose Justin Chase, who's probably going to play some left tackle, but you are projected to return Walt Stribling, who's only a redshirt freshman, who's coming along nicely, uh, along with Noah Henderson, who we talked about earlier, who's still got three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, so I like both those guys. Vanderlaan has the chance to help. Two young guys that are uh, projected to work at tackle. Kanan Clark out of Georgia, uh, probably going to play tackle could play guard but you know ideally we play tackle with his size and athleticism and then uh keywan phillips a young tackle who has not been able to practice this preseason due to an injury uh, but he is a projected tackle as well so both those guys young tackles it'll be an important developmental year for those guys i think they got to get deeper at tackle um, and now it's hard to recruit six four six five guys with good length and good feet at east carolina there's just only so many of those guys to go around so you could always kick Strother back at the tackle, but I think ideally, you know, with Stribling, Henderson, Vanderlaan, Malovic all coming back, a couple young guys in the program, uh, you have a chance to really develop some depth there. We talk about Sakra who's committed, uh, Elisha Samples, another commitment who needs to develop but probably has the athleticism to play tackle long term. And then there's always the transfer portal as well. I mean, you can always try and find an offensive lineman or two in the portal depending on how things go in the off season. But I think overall the depth right now looking good. I mean, you do lose three guys to graduation, but I think the younger guys in the program right now have just as much, much upside, if not more. So I do like uh, how it looks for the next number of years, as long as I can keep these guys healthy and in the program and keep them developing. Uh, EastU Pirate 99. He says, since the coaching staff feels that multiple players are interchangeable at positions, can you discuss what players fit better in certain slots? For example, how many players do the coaches feel that can legitimately play center? How many players do they feel can contribute at guard? How many players do they feel can contribute at tackle? This will help us understand what the depth is also from this list. Which of these players do the coaches feel like are ready to contribute if called on for Game 1? All good questions. Uh, 99, I think, you know, more than likely tackle. The guys that are locked in at tackle for sure, Bailey Malovic. I mean, he is a pure tackle I think Noah Henderson is pretty much a pure tackle. Justin Chase is a guy who could play either. Uh, I think Walt Striblin, they want to stick him at tackle. Uh, and Vanderlaan, you know, probably could play guard, but probably more of a tackle. So I think those are the, the four or five guys you're looking at as, as pure tackles. And that's why, um, you know, I think it's easier for tackles to move inside to guard more so than it is for a guard to move outside to tackle. So those are kind of the guys you you pinpoint as your tackles. I think Malavic's really the only true one that you – he just doesn't have the frame for a guard. He's more of a pure athletic tackle. Um, so, I mean, for me, that's how I, I see it on paper. Now, guard, I think you got a ton of guys who can play guard. We mentioned it, Sean Bailey. I think Sean Bailey's a pure guard. He's never played center. So he's going to be a, a guard either on the right side or left side. More comfortable and experienced on the right side. Uh, Isaiah Foote, more of a guard for sure because I ever a pure guard. I mean, Foote did do some snapping in the spring, so he he could be a candidate to play center down the line, but more practicing a guard right now. Uh, Hampton Ergel has worked some attack on the pass, but more, more of a guard for sure. Richard Pierce definitely uh, projects as a guard. Nishad Strother. Again, could play tackle if needed, but uh, they want to stick him at guard for now. We know Avery Jones can play guard. We know Trent Holler can play guard because both of them did it last year. Jaquez Powell, another young guy, could play guard, has also worked at center. So, again, you've got a ton of candidates at guard. Uh, The guys who have worked the most at center, Avery Jones and Trent Holler, Jaquez Powell has been snapping there earlier this camp. Isaiah Foote has also snapped there some in the past and then, of course, Fernando Fry has a full year of starting experience at center. So, I mean, that's the thing I do like about this offensive line. You really do, I mean, in terms of guys who can play each position, you're probably four to five deep at each position legitimately. So, I think that that's a very promising thing for this EC offensive line and why it has so much depth compared to past years. Auburn Pirate asks, how did Noah Henderson perform when the pads went on? as he progressed? You know, from what I've heard, Noah's done fine. I think there's definitely some some rust that has to be knocked off. But overall, uh, I think the injury has held up well. He's just slowly working back into things. He reported in pretty good shape. He's definitely slimmed down. Now he's just got to get back in football shape, and that's just a totally different animal. Uh, so I think he's progressing. I think he's not there yet just based on everything I've heard, but he's a guy that is making progress. And, you know, hopefully by the start of the season, later into the year, is at a point where he can definitely contribute, if not, you know, start uh, potentially if he's 100% healthy. Because we've talked about tackle, maybe the one area where they do have some depth concerns. So, uh, but they're being careful with him. They're they're bringing him along slowly, but they are working him in full go. And uh, from everything I've heard, he is progressing. I just think it's going to be a gradual build uh, up into the early part of the season for Noah Henderson. Purple Hook. He asked, name the top three offensive linemen you think we have based on talent alone? Uh, this is a good question. I think for sure Avery Jones, as an interior lineman, he's got top-notch athleticism. I mean, he was a highly regarded prospect coming out of high school for a reason. And I think if, if he can stick at center, I think he's got NFL potential in the middle of the offensive line. I just think his upside there is, is immense. I mean, he could play guard and be an all-conference caliber guard, I think, but he could be an NFL center, I think, is, is the difference. I mean, you don't find too many... 6'4", 300-pounders who can really move uh, the way Avery does. So I think if he can get the snapping down, he's definitely got uh top, top talent. Bailey Malevich with the added weight. I mean, nobody in the program has as much athleticism and length as he does. So I think pure talent-wise, he's got a chance to really hit his ceiling in the next year or two. And again, he could be a guy that if he has a breakout year, could easily get an NFL look. Because he will, he will catch scouts' attention with his, uh, his lean body. I mean, he's got the – so many of those NFL tackles have that 310, 320-pound frame, but they're fairly lean and athletic, and he has that potential. Again, still has to put on more weight probably to do it at the NFL level, but uh, all in all, talent is definitely there. Uh, I think some of your younger guys in the program – I think Noah Henderson's definitely worthy of a mention, just his size and athleticism uh it's pretty tough to find he's still raw in some aspects but he's got tremendous uh, upside Uh, Nashad Strother's another young guy who I thought last year once he came into his own I thought really flashed his his athleticism he's got really good feet and um you know not the best length in the world but showed that he's good enough to play tackle even with his lack of length so I think Strother Jones, Malavic, three of your more talented guys. As far as the young guys, Isaiah Foote is one that really catches my eyes whenever I get to see him. You know, just a a prototypical guard type body. You know, pretty long arms, physical, good lower half, moves really well, good feet. I think Isaiah Foote, he continues to progress, really has a chance to be a special player for the Pirates in time. So, uh, Richard Pierce, another young guy who's got a lot of talent. Trent Holler, uh, I'm very high on as well as far as his physicality as a potential center of the future so I think there's more talent waiting in the wings than ECU's had in years I just think if I had to pinpoint three guys in particular I would definitely go Jones and Malovic top two and then after that probably Strother uh, as the third and uh, very glad that Coach Houston's staff was able to get him recommitted because he's a big part of this offensive line's future. All right, final question from ECU Salty Dog on our offensive line preview. We saw some remarkable weight gains, but it looks like the toll was paid when the sun got on them in camp. Is it just our guys getting used to the heat again, or do we possibly have something else to worry about? Hopefully we camp will get our guys accustomed to the heat. With our past 12 noon kickoffs are all but abs- all but assured. Only reason I ask is we've had a few linemen have to sit for a while the other day. Um, he says Bailey Malovic probably being the most notable, but I think he meant uh Sean Bailey. It was Sean Bailey who has missed some time early in camp. Um, you know, I think it's just standard camp stuff. You know, Sean Bailey's a guy who's been around. Uh he kinda is what he is at this point in terms of his his size and stature and his weight. So if, if Sean Bailey is six year seniors getting worn out by the heat early in camp, I'm not too concerned. I mean, it's it's kind of standard stuff for big guys to deal with that. Um, as long as it's nothing long term, which I haven't gotten any indication that it is, I just think you go through it. The offensive line goes through it. The defensive line goes through it. It's just hard for 300 pounders to acclimate to that type of heat and that type of physicality quickly, especially with the way you ECU practices. So I'm personally not concerned about it at all. If you're two weeks in the camp and you're still having those issues, then then I'm concerned. But really, that was the first hot day at camp they had issues, and that's not a surprise at all. Every camp I've covered has been much of the same thing. Your big guys are going to struggle. The good thing is, uh, practicing in eastern North Carolina, they're going to get acclimated to it pretty quick. You know, give it another week or so, and I think they'll be there. There's still nothing like going out and playing a full-on game at 12 noon. In early September that's just a different beast and you're gonna see guys struggle with that as well but I think the important thing is a guy like Sean Bailey if he's struggling with the heat at his size on September 2nd or on September 11th You got Trent Holler who can go in there and play guard. You got Fernando Fry who can go in there and play guard I mean uh, both those guys have have seen game action significant game action have performed well Um, So, uh, you know to me, I'm not too concerned about it. If you if your tackles uh, go down with an injury or struggle then i'm a little more concerned but i think they'll be fine i just think it's part of camp where you have to get through it there's an acclimation period no matter how hard you work on conditioning during the summer there's nothing like wearing full pads and hitting somebody for you know 50 plays in practice or whatever and uh finding a way to sustain your energy through that it just takes time to get through that phase so no big concern there all right so there's your questions and that'll do it for our offensive line preview. Again, I'm very encouraged about this group. You know, I still don't think talent-wise it's, just, you know, you're not to the point where you're at a Cincinnati or you're a UCF or a Memphis along the offensive front. I mean, those schools I think are at a different level and that's why they're usually at the top of the league. I think ECU has improved drastically upon when uh, when coach Houston and coach Shankweiler first got here, the continuity of the group has been uh, something we haven't seen for years. Shankweiler going into his third year and all this returning experience. You know, you don't have maybe elite athleticism up front, but I think you've got some grinders. You've got some guys who really fit the mentality. And I think they're going to play together as one unit. I think they're really going to feed off each other. And they got two really good backs that are going to help them look pretty good at the end of the day. And Holton Ayers is pretty good at scrambling and avoiding pressure. So I do expect improved play on the offensive front this year. Uh, especially early in the season, like last year, early in the year, it was, quite frankly, a disaster a couple of games. I don't expect that to happen this year, especially if Avery Jones acclimates to center well. I think the pieces around him will fall into place. All of a sudden, you've got your five best guys on the field if Jones is at center and Strother's at guard, uh, who probably that's two of their better natural positions compared to when they were playing guard and tackle, respectively, last year. So I think that'll make a big difference. Hopefully they stay healthy. We know how important that is at East Carolina. But I do think the first two teams right now are as deep as any offensive line since probably early in the Ralph McNeil era, if not back to the Skip Holtz era. So a uh, very promising group. I think it will help the offensive uh, – as a, the whole offense as a whole really gel, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle a good Appalachian State defense and then a good South Carolina front the first two games when we'll know a whole lot more. All right, that'll do it for our offensive line preview again. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we get, we have a ton of coverage up on hoistofcolors.net of practice, of camp. We'll continue to roll that out in the days ahead. We'll be back out later at practice this week. And then leading up to the first scrimmage on Saturday, we'll have complete coverage of that, of preseason camp. So ton more to go. 22 days away as we record this. Uh, maybe if you're listening to it on it's 21 days, or if you're listening on Friday, 20 days from kickoff. Uh, we are getting there folks stay tuned it'll be here before you know it. appreciate you guys listening and tuning in you've been listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast we'll be back with the D-line preview soon enough and we'll talk to you then